welcome to another NL full-time special. It is We are going to review the semi-finals and look ahead to the finals across all three divisions. Uh, joining me, we have Rob Worrell and Christian James. Hello, guys. Hi, Luke. Hi, Christian. Good evening, both of you. We're going to start off with the, the National League and, and two absolute crackers, Rob, wasn't there? Not, not County Bournemouth and... Notts County certainly had to work for it. It looked like Bournemouth had got the job done, but Notts roared back in the end. They did. I mean, the reality, first of all, both games were absolutely brilliant. I ended up being quite pleased that I didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get to either, but my day worked out really well in the end. So I got to watch near enough every minute of both games, um, you know, on the TV and, I think it's fair to say that that, that that Notts County were very impressive in the first half but didn't score. They, they were wasteful with their chances, uh, particularly Rodriguez, who's had a brilliant season but had a, had a, had a poor game. Uh, that's even prior to him missing the penalty in the, in the second half. But um, they couldn't score when they were on top and Borenwood did twice. Classic smash and grab from Borenwood. And, and the game was going very much very much like the Barnet Wood game in the week where Wood scored sort of halfway through the first half. They doubled their lead just before half time. And then of course Notts County got back into it just five minutes or so into the or just a few minutes into the second half. But what was really strange about there on in is that yeah, Notts passed the ball around, but they didn't trouble Boreham Wood very much. And when they did score in the hunt in the 90th minute whatever it was 97th minute um when they did score it, it didn't look like it was coming it really didn't look like it was coming but it did uh, and credit to Joby Jones uh, sorry Jody Jones coming off the bench making the first goal and then a brilliant winner from him on 120 minutes the game had every bit of drama that you could have wanted um, and that, and Notts County were staring down the barrel, weren't they, of having 107 points and, and going out to a team that finished 35 points below them. Did you get to yeah. see it, Christian? Um, I watched the extended highlights, so I was uh, out of the mm. country over the weekend, but um, mm. kept a firm eye on things. And, um, yeah, I mean, neatly packaged up. It almost looks like you know, everything followed the script. Um, it'd be too easy for Notts just to win it, kind of 2 or 3 nil job done, so make it difficult for yourselves, kind of, you know, come storming back and then suddenly it's this great story again. But um, you mentioned the points difference between the two. Um, I remember when the league changed the playoff structure, um, it was something that people really said, you know, this could be really quite unfair um, if seventh and sixth place teams are getting through. Um, But now it's been in place. I think everyone's recognising that kind of how good it makes those final few weeks of the regular season it's almost a cost worth winning to pay. I don't know if either of you feel differently about that or hear different things from different people. I guess it may maybe been different if Notts County had got beat on uh, Sunday afternoon. Absolutely. I, I definitely think that the best thing for the three up, three up, three down argument is if Notts County don't go up. But I absolutely don't want that any more than anybody else does. I love the playoffs as they are. The, 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 the season keeps going for, for so many clubs. And I love the fact that there's a real difference between whether you finish second and third or fourth and fifth or sixth and seventh. I really, really like it. And I think it's a rare anomaly in all the years that 
that there's been playoffs. I don't think there's ever been a 35-point differential between any team. What do you what do you think, Luke? It's um it's a funny one, isn't it? And I suppose some of the arguments we'll get on to the north in a minute as as to uh what's happened there. But a lot of the time if you're a team who's in ninth and all of a sudden getting a bit of form, storm into sixth, you you you've got momentum going into the playoffs, haven't you? Whereas the team in second and, and a lot of it's borne out this week in the sort of the three, in the three semis. The teams that have played in the eliminator seem to come in a lot stronger than the teams who've had a week off to almost. I know they'll be fresher fitness wise, but they've almost had a week to think about it, haven't they? As well, whereas you go from the eliminator bang straight into the semi, you've almost got that momentum, haven't you? I heard um, Luke Garrard did an extended uh, interview with Tim Fuel on the non-league show, and that was interesting to listen to. And I think he said then in the in the build up to the to the semi final that um, it could work either way, couldn't it? The fact that they might be a little bit sharper because they played in the week, or you know, Notts County, you know, might have been able to rest and prepare players better. Um, like by the time we finish this review, I think the evidence might point towards um, having a game in the week being quite good one. And you know, the away team's doing pretty well. Um, Obviously, we'll come on to the other National League semi-final shortly. But, uh, you know, I just want to credit Luke Garrard and Boreham Wood. Of course, you know, they're not the best supported side, although they were well supported, uh, you know, in both away games, uh, you know, last week. But uh, they're very, very good at what they do. And, and Luke doesn't try and, you know, gloss over it or, or you know, or he, he tells it exactly as it is that they play to their strengths. And I must admit, when I sat with Matt Bagcock just a you know a couple of rows back at Barnet, you're very very close to the pitch there, watching the Borehamwood players um, warm up for their game. You know, I noticed just what units they are. You know, how physically strong they are. And I also just wanted to pick out one man who I thought was absolutely brilliant for Borehamwood in both the eliminator and the semi final, and that was Femi Ilasanmi. Um, he did get a goal, actually, didn't he? He got the, the, one of the goals at Notts County. But I just... Bundled I, in the he first re- one, didn't he? Yeah, he really, really impressed. He, he just never stops. You know, he's tenacious in defence, but he's always a willing runner to get forward as well. And I've got to admit, over the course of those two games, it, it, it really made me realise just how good a player he is. I think, you know, I think I've always thought he was efficient and, and you know, decent before, but... Uh, a tremendous effort from from Borehamwood, and you know the the interesting thing for them is third playoffs in six years, and as Luke also said in that interview uh, with the non league show, other other <laughs> podcasts are available like this one, but um, he also said off the pitch they're ready now Borehamwood. You know they've had so much improvement to their ground, to the stadium, um, and people would argue, yeah, how could they sustain league football if they did get there? But they worry about that when they get there and, you know, you, you just have to doff your cap to Luke. Uh, fantastic job. And I guess we should mention the fella Baldwin, who'd never scored for Notts County before and got got two goals, you know, in the in the semi-final. It's funny, isn't it, in big games, in playoff games, in finals, quite often there's a hero you really wouldn't expect to turn up. And, uh, you know, in, in Notts County's case, it was Baldwin. The other semi-final I went to, Chesterfield against Bromley, uh, and it was a long old day. It was as long as almost the, the Hartlepool Torquay playoff final of, 
a few years ago. See, <laughs> I got to the ground at, at three o'clock, uh, and I think I left it about half past seven. So there we go. That's how long the day was. It was a delayed kickoff because of, I think Notts County were running slightly. I think the TV wanted it to to run in a little bit. But also, there was people queuing up outside. If you go on our stories on uh, NL Full Time's Instagram, you can see the queues queuing up outside to get in. Uh, then the game kicked off. There was a couple of stoppages for injuries to Bromley player. Then there was a medical emergency. Thankfully, I think the person in question was okay. So that was a stoppage of around seven or eight minutes. Then Bromley took the lead, probably against the run of play, really. They, were having, they had a five-minute spell just before they scored, but Chesterfield were, were doing all the running, really, before that. And uh, it was good, good saves at the back by Reese Charles Cook which kept uh, Chesterfield in it. Ron Colcuff was really pulling the strings. Then we, we kicked off uh, second half. Chesterfield equalised. It was an own goal by the unfortunate Alera way. He put into his own net. And then I had the, I had my tablet with the game on as well. The camera kept panning on him. He could see his head was down and looking frustrated. And I think that, that was the reason he got sent off because he flew into a challenge in real time. It looked a really bad tackle. When you look at it on a replay... Still a reckless challenge, maybe a yellow, but I can see why the referee sent him off as well. Then we had another stoppage because there was a drone above the ground, which was another five or six minutes stoppage there. So they had 11 minutes of stoppage time first half. Then they had uh, nine in the second half. Uh, Chesterfield had gone ahead through DJ Oldacre's free kick with about five or six minutes left. He thought they were on the way. And then um, it was was interesting. Chesterfield's game management wasn't that great. Every time they went ahead, they seemed to just sit back and allow Bromley back into it. And with 10 men, Bromley got a deserved equaliser in the ninth minute of stoppage time as Sawumni headed the ball back across for that man, Michael Cheek, to uh, poke the ball over the line. And it was almost like a pinprick in the stadium. It just deflated the atmosphere. But Chesterfield came again, and I think the extra man... Proved the advantage in the end, although Mitchell Burkamp didn't quite have the control that his father did. Got robbed on the edge of the area and it was fired in by Liam Mandeville. And again, there was a few nervy moments for Bromley at the, uh, for Chesterfield at the end as Bromley came strong again. Chesterfield not really keeping hold of the ball that well. But eventually, they did get through and the majority of the 9,000 crowd went home happy in the end. Post-game... I caught up with the losing manager, Andy Woodman, who was very magnanimous in defeat. Only keep you a couple of minutes, Andy. You must be feeling absolutely gutted after that. Um, yeah, a little bit uh, flat, but, um, you know, I think if, if we were to be really honest, yeah. we were second best in a lot of departments today. Um, I feel, I feel, you know, Chesterfield were a better team. Um, but, but that said, we, uh, we made a game of it and uh, just wasn't enough at the end. It was a big ask when you lose a player. Yeah, you really stuck in the game in the first half, didn't you? Got the goal before half time, they came out equalised. But you must be really pleased with the spirit you play, Sean. Going out of 10 men as well, kept going. That's the spirit we've had all season, and that's the spirit and the DNA that I've put into this football club. You know, we are a small club, let's be honest, compared mm. to the size mm. of Chesterfield. Um, but we don't feel like that when we're out on the pitch. And uh, I think my, my team showed that today. I couldn't be proud of, of them and the effort and the, the commitment to the calls they put. But um, we just fell short. Obviously, the decision, the red card decision, you think that changed the game? Well, hand on heart, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen that decision. Um, The referee had two big decisions to make. One was the the red card. I I couldn't say if that was the right or wrong. I watched that back. And then then the handball, which cost us a goal, you know. 
um, when it's smashed at you from yeah. four yards, it's kind of hard to get out of the way of it. Um, but that said, I thought the referee had a really good game, mm. and I'm not going to use yeah, that yeah, as an excuse yeah. of why we lost. And it's nice as well, he just did your interview with BT and that you got a standing ovation of the home fans as well. Yeah, I th- well, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that I got a chance to actually clap them because I thought they really added to the atmosphere today. Um, and they've been brilliant. Every time I come up here, they give me loads of stick. Um, but in a nice way, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in a yeah. nice way. And uh, I, I, look, I always look forward to this fixture. So uh, I wish them all the best. And that was Andy Woodman. And walking past in a tunnel, just as Andy Woodman as I'd finished with Andy Woodman, was the Chesterfield goalkeeper Ross Fitzsimons and a bit of a subplot to this one, which uh, I asked him about. But obviously, former Notts County goalkeeper was there last season, but he'll now be facing him in the final. Uh, how were how your emotions after that? Oh, they're everywhere. <laughs> um, it's, it's, uh, it's the most difficult thing in them kind of games to stay calm and just uh, stay positive with, obviously, with, with everything went on. Um, but listen, it was a great game. Just said to... Uh, I said to their manager there to come in, just take take away the goals and everything else. It was an excellent game to watch. So, yeah, just just glad we got it done. Had everything in it in the end. Yeah, everything. Yeah, drama, late drama, um, errors. You know, listen, it's, them games there. Are, that's that's what yeah. we live for. That's what we train for. So, um, yeah, it's brilliant. Pressure in it because obviously you, you got ahead twice and then you really were sort of on the edge of your own area, not being able to clear the ball. You could see you shouting and ultimately he came back twice. Character from both sides in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, listen, they were never out of the game. They're never out of the game. They've got some top players in there. Even with 10 men, they were never out of the game. You knew what they were going to do. They were going to put the big man up top and, and sort of play for knockdowns. And listen, it, it almost come off for them. Um, but just, just, just thankfully, I think, obviously with the man down, mm. I think we just edged it. But listen, two, two, two great teams going at it today. And a subplot for yourself going to Wembley against Notts County. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be dramatic. It's going to be... Uh, but listen, it's, it's, it's going to, again, it's going to be another great game. Rob, it was a, this game had everything in the end. I, I'm glad I, uh, I just wore a T-shirt to the game because it was, it was hot and I got a suntan. But uh, the game seemed to go mm. on forever. But again... Uh, great effort by Bromley, and it's something. That's why I asked Andy Woodman that question. The one thing you can't question Bromley about is the spirit, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've got to be honest. I was really, really shocked and taken aback when Bromley got that goal. It did look like you know, with with them down to ten and Chesterfield going three two up, you thought it should be routine for Chesterfield to see this through. But you know, never write off Bromley. Never write off Michael Cheek. Um, you know they got that they got that very very late equaliser which took it to extra time. Really tidy finish by Liam Mandeville. Uh, he's had a very good season to be fair to him. Um, credit they to Paul tried Cook. to get him by the way, and he was he was ushered upstairs into the sponsors round, understandably to get a, a man in a match <laughs> award and he's uh, yeah. and a round of applause. Yeah, fair enough. Um, credit to Paul Cook. Um, he's been on a bit of a hide into nothing really this season. I think everybody said that, you know, with um, the budget he's got there and the players that he's got in his squad, you know, they should be shooing for the playoffs. And of course, at one point they, they had a little bit of a wobble, but uh, they not only made the playoffs, they, they secured that third place finish towards the end, which meant they could go at the playoffs, you know, with a home game this year, slight difference for them for last. And that made the difference probably in the end. But um, a bit like we did with the other tie, I just want to really give huge kudos to uh, the losing manager, Andy Woodman. Um, I had my doubts initially um, as to how good a manager he was. I think he's proven it now. 
you know, with an FA Trophy win, with two uh, playoff finishes. And I really, really liked how gracious he was in defeat as well. Um, you know, that's not easy, is it? You know, I what think was 12 months. to see as well was he came out, he had to do his BT interview right in the tunnel and the Chesterfield fans were, were waiting for, I think, Paul Cook and a few of the Chesterfield players to come out. And they all clapped Andy Wood. I mean, he took off his cap and doffed it to them. And there was a, a big respect there. And then as he went off, as he finished the interview, he waved again and they all clapped him and cheered him off. Yeah, quite rightly so. I think he's conducted himself really, really well, and uh, you know, fair, fair, fair play to him. It's not easy, is it? You know, as Chesterfield fans will remember, you know, the previous year was it when they, uh, you know, when Roe was in charge, or was it two years ago now? My memory's playing tricks on me, but you know, Roe uh, when after they'd lost uh, to uh, Notts County, James Roe was, you know, quite bitter, wasn't he, in his in his post match, and that was disappointing. So it's a touch of class, isn't it, on such a, a big day for your club when you lose and, and you give credit to the opposition, as he did. They'd also won very graciously, by the way, at Woking, mm. you know, in the week as well. They'd not put any loud music on. They'd completely respected the fact that it was, you know, it was a really difficult night for Woking. So, yeah, they've gone right up in my estimations, uh, or rather Andy Woodman has, and... Uh, um, you know, as for Bromley, well, a terrific effort from them this season, but it wasn't to be. Yeah, and, and Andy Woodman did say that he didn't over-celebrate at Walking because he said the job's not done yet. They still had another game to win before they got to Wembley. In terms of Chessfield, Rob, as you mentioned there, they did have a little wobble in February, but I think the fact they brought in Paul McCallum and Andy Dallas just as a bit of extra firepower was um, was really beneficial for them. And by all accounts, um, Dallas turned down moves to uh, football league clubs to join Chesterfield as well and he's got a real affinity there and that's made a big difference for them hasn't it because he was struggling to score goals yeah Dallas particularly and Colclough particularly McCallum's had to play a little bit of a bit part hasn't he so far he's often come off the bench um, we talked a little bit about Colclough didn't we in the weekend podcast and just how well he's done and he's actually he made the so National good League as well on Sunday so good yeah he's made, made the National yeah, he's made the National League Team of the Year, and, and quite rightly so. You know, his his um, impact on the games at Altrincham and at Chesterfield, admittedly, initially quite a lot from the bench, has been has been superb. So uh, I know John Grant, a good friend of mine, former Aldershot player and someone who's involved with a lot of uh, scouting and, and football management, you know, he's, uh, he's in that stable. Uh, and I know a couple of seasons ago, Colclough was, you know, you know, looking for a uh, obviously Altrincham signed him, didn't they? But uh, you know, he he was being touted around, and pe- pe- people didn't want him. I, I I know one club, you know, in particular, um, and um, I bet they uh, probably regretting that now because he's really gone on to bigger and better things, hasn't he? And, and Christian, as a neutral, I think it's the final everyone wanted. I think ticket sales are good uh, early on already for the final. It could well smash the. The, the final, which was, I think, 45,000 between Grinsby and Bristol Rovers. They could be looking, well, not double that, but certainly north of that. And uh, it's good to see those two teams in the final. It is. I think you look at the teams in those playoffs and if you're trying to put together um, a real showpiece final, then they're clearly the two fan bases you'd put in there. Um, second and third feels, you know, about fair. I know Woking were incredibly close to that third place, but... Um, um, they're two clubs that have got a rich history, large fan bases. Uh, they've been there all season, and it'll be interesting to see which way it goes. 
Um, you know, everyone talks about Notts County's points tally, but I don't think that um, Chesterfield's 80-odd was too shabby either. Um, you know, that's a real strong second some years. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. But no, it it's set up, isn't it? It's set up just perfect. Um, again, another big attendance for the National League, um, which should keep the spotlight on the game outside those top four tiers. We'll try and get some feedback on how the ticket sales are going, but we can give them a little bit of evidence, can't we, Luke? Because... Uh... So Joe and I will be there for NL full-time on the day, but um, Joe had to go online to buy a ticket for his dad. He's he's, going to go to the final as well and he's obviously going to take care of the transport and getting Joe there on on a weekend when there's another train strike, unfortunately. He's still Um, in the queue now, I think, isn't he? (laughs) (laughs) We kept getting updates from him. I think soon after he joined, he said, it says I'm 17,000th in the queue. And then I remember seeing another one saying he was two and a half thousandths. And, you know, eventually a few hours later, he got his, he got his ticket. So um, I think if 45,000 is the record, I think it might just go, um, you know, roughly speaking, you may get something like uh, sort of 20, around about 20 to 22, 25,000 tickets each, Notts County and Chesterfield. You can have your debates about which is the bigger club. I, w- I would imagine, you know, impartial myself, I think Notts County is probably slightly the bigger club. Um, and then you're going to get a certain amount of neutrals as well. So if they can maybe sell sort of 22,000 each or, you know, on average, and there tends to be two, three, four, five thousand others neutrals, et cetera, as well, it might just creep up to that 50,000 mark. Yeah. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Rob and Joe will be reporting back from Wembley next weekend. And the officials for the playoff final have been announced as well. Matt Carlett will be the man in the middle. Callum Jones and Danny Jarvis will be his assistants. And the fourth official is Scott Jackson. We're going to move on and look at the National League North. You probably think you're pretty good at multitasking behind the wheel. I mean, you have to multitask to drive. So what's wrong with checking your phone? The thing is, your brain simply... quick reply, affects your concentration, and makes you less able to react to hazards. If you use a mobile phone while driving, you're four times more likely to crash. Think. Put your phone away. In the National League North, well, Kristen, we mentioned about the the teams that were in the eliminators, and, and ultimately, it's Brackley and Kidderminster who, who've made the final. I'm sure when Brackley started the players in the eliminator, they didn't think they'd be having a home final, would they? Uh, no, they probably wouldn't. Um, certainly looking at the gap um, in the league table points-wise between those teams. Um, we know Kid- um, Kings Lynn sorry, um, had that title fight with Fylde. Um, Chester knew they were going to be third for weeks and weeks on end. And then there was a real gulf down to all those teams that scrapped out on the final day. Um, both of these finalists were hardly guaranteed a playoff place the last weekend of April. And yet here they are. But um, it's interesting. I know we touched on the playoff format. Um, changing with the extra teams and whether um, playing that extra game is actually an advantage. Um, it was pointed out to me in the week that we've had um, both away teams win the semi-finals in the North this year. Um, last year it was York and Boston. York won at Brackley, having finished fifth. Uh, Boston won at File, having finished seventh. Um, so it was fifth against seventh last year, fourth against sixth this year. Um, and I think the year before, Altrincham went and won at York when Altrincham had finished fifth or sixth. So um, while the National League seems to produce these second against thirds, it's those lower ones 
who seems to win in midweek, take the momentum into uh, the weekend games and win through. And that was the case again this time around. Yeah, Rob, you kept an eye, didn't you, on that Kingsland-Kidderminster game in particular. We we said it'd be a, an exciting game and, and ultimately it was and quite a surprising result in terms of the margin that Kidderminster won by. Yeah, it was in the end. It was a game too far, wasn't it, for Kingsland? And they, they, you know, they ran into a kiddie side that are in really good form right now. The shackles are off. You know, we talked on the weekend about the fact that some people were calling for, for Russ Penn to go with a couple of months of the season. Then they finished so strongly. And it's almost like, almost like all the pressure's off them. Um, they did a, a, su- a superb job. There was two or three really, really good goals in that as well for Hiddeminster. And sadly, it wasn't to be for Kings Lynn who I have to say, huge credit to them for finishing second in a season after they've been relegated because quite often that relegation can come with a little bit of a hangover. But as for Kidderminster and Russ Penn, yeah, onwards and upwards. And, you know, funnily enough, we talk about how difficult these leagues are to predict. Um, I believe every one of the four of us on this podcast picked either... Kidderminster to win the title and filed to come second, or as three of us out of the four did, filed to uh, to win it and uh, Kidderminster, sorry, to uh, to win the playoffs. So, you know, there's three of us out of the four that stand to get it absolutely spot on if Kidderminster can do it in the final. And personally, I can't lose because a little bit of me wants Brackley to do it because it's 39 miles from where I live and it would be Aldershot's nearest game next year if they do come up. Just to clarify that, sorry, it would be my nearest Aldershot yeah. away game, yeah. not Aldershot's. <laughs> I was thinking you are on a bit of a limb, Lowestoft style, if that's the uh, that's the case. <laughs> Lowestoft? Yeah, when they came up, they came to Boston on Boxing Day because we were their local derby. Um, oh. <laughs> another strange one that we got in the North one year. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've got a fun, a fun fact about Lowestoft, which I'll tell another day anyway. Um, in terms of... Are you teased? Well, I can tell you now if you want quickly. Well, the, the closest motorway to Lowestoft is the uh, the A1 in Holland. So there you go. <laughs> Very That's good. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's ridiculous, but true. Um, anyway, Kidderminster Christian, I mean... Ross Penn's had his critics this year. I'd love to know. I'd love to hear from any Kidderminster fans getting in touch with us on Twitter. He wanted Ross Penn gone midway through the season. I mean, he had so much credit after that cut run last year and expectations were, were raised, weren't they, in the end? And I think that's put a lot more pressure on him. But now it's starting to bear fruit again, isn't it? That sort of strength in depth that they've got. It is, yeah. Um, to be honest with you, kind of observing it um, from a distance... Um, I was having conversations as recently as a couple of weeks ago saying I'm I'm really surprised that um, Russ Penn has been given the time. Um, that's a reflection more on football in the modern era. You know, managers have all this credit in the bank. Things don't go quite to plan and they're very easy to dispense of. Um, Kidderminster were obviously happy that they've got a manager. Um, it did exceptionally well with them last year. Um, and it's maybe a nice message to kind of put out to the non-league game of football in general, that you've got a manager that works, things go wrong in the short term, you stick with him and um, who knows, they might get the result they've been waiting for all season. Um, They were, if not in the bottom half, certainly 12th um, with four or five games Mm -hmm. to go. But they won those um, last six, I believe it was. um, And then they've flown through. um, And you said about 
kind of almost having nothing to lose. It's a position um, Kidderminster suffered from in that Boston went there last year, um, having just crept into the playoffs on the last day, thinking, well, if we don't lose at Kidderminster, we'll be losing at Fylde at the weekend. And guess what? You win them both. Um, and this year, it's Kidderminster's turn. Um, if they run out of puff at Brackley like Boston did, then um, I'm sure there'll be some Kidderminster fans saying, well, we haven't achieved what we're after. Um, but they deserve immense credit for getting in the playoffs from where they were, getting in there in the first place. And I think the club probably deserve a lot of credit for sticking with Russ Penn um, because he is a good manager. They didn't have the best of seasons and yet they might still end up exactly where they hope to be. I wonder if the fact that they were in 13th with about four weeks to go, they just kind of went, the shackles were off in a way and they went, do you know what, we'll just win, try and win all our games, see where we end up. And they've ended up in the playoffs and they've just taken that momentum, as you said, straight into them. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, as I say, having experienced it last year, it's really strange because you kind of stand there and think, this is a playoff game. This should be kind of, you know, really, really nervous. But you actually don't feel nervous at all. There's almost a sense of, oh, we did so well to get here. We might as well just have a go. Um, and they certainly did have a go. I mean, um, it, it was Kidderminster at his best, wasn't it? Um, some of the, the moves um, in the build-up to goals, uh, chance creation, you know, they had the penalty saved before the goal. Um and they've scored four goals away at Kings inside that came a very close second for the title. So um, no, they've done incredibly well. Um, and then Brackley, of course, um, to touch on them, it's um, five or six playoff campaigns in a row for them now. They've never quite managed to do it. Um, maybe this is the year. They've certainly got experience getting there, winning these ties. They just need to put the string together now where they win enough to lift some silverware at the end of it. Yeah, they won 1-0 away at Chester. George Carline with the goal and, and our very own Dickie was at that game and he caught up with the winning goal scorer, Carline, and also manager Gaz Dean. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, nice to get get another goal. I think I got a couple in the first few games of the season. I haven't scored since, so uh, nice to get one in this kind of kind of game. But uh, yeah, it's, it's one more step and I think um, everyone's focused on that. So, yeah. Did you have a feeling it was going to take something like that to... to win this game today maybe yeah like I said I think first half we we, we stuck to a game plan the, the lads gave us a game plan to stick to and we, we did that I think perfectly we, we limited them as much as we could do and with the amount of fans here I think it was important to do that quiet, quiet and down and uh, yeah we I thought we were a better team in, in the first half by far we, we always knew they were going to come out in the second half and, and change it up a little bit but as a back four especially I, we said in there just now, we, we felt quite comfortable up until, obviously, they're going to throw men into the box, throw balls into the box. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought we, to a man, we were, we were very good today. Yeah, I did think, I mean, there were times you, you were heading the ball away fairly constantly, but, but comfortably, I think, you know. It's... Yeah, sometimes from the side, it might look like that constant pressure from from the home team. I don't know what it looks like from the side, but sometimes it's a different game on the pitch. And we... We had a, like I said, we had a game plan. We had a structure to the team. I think credit to to Jordan who came in next to me at centre half. Obviously, he's coming from Matty Preston. Um, I thought he was unbelievable. Uh, I just said to him, "There, it's a pleasure to to play against, to play next to him." Then uh, to to come into this kind of game, having not played for a few weeks, and to perform like he did uh, was was brilliant. You've all responded really well as a group to to Gaz Dean in charge as well, or so it seems. Um, you know, I looked on your bench at one point and you know, Gaz, Martin Woods there and Jimmy Armstrong and normally in a game like this 
the three players you kind of want out there with you, aren't they? But, you know, on the bench and the experience help you out. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not gone on. Well, it shouldn't go unsaid how the, the, the job that they've done, they've obviously been thrust into the job that they wouldn't have been expecting at this time of the year. And and to, to do it the way they have and to be as professional as they have, I, I didn't expect any less from the lads, but just just uh, from my point of view, I just want to thank them for, for the way they have instilled that confidence back into the team. And it's it's not an easy job, I know. Um, but it's, yeah, they've done brilliantly. All three of them, they, they bring their own, they bring their own things to the, to the, to the boys and it's and it's worked quite nicely one more game now give it everything you've got and um, yeah just hope it falls your way yeah that's it it's, uh, it's one more hurdle and and if we do if we do what we can do we've got a great chance Gaz Dean successful Brackley Town manager um, or interim manager I don't know exactly what your title is but um, you might be getting the, the taste for this now after a, a qualifying for the playoff final um, <laughs> well yeah, it's certainly emotional, a little bit more emotional than being on the football pitch, but we're enjoying it. I, um, we said that if you're not going to enjoy it, there's no point doing it. So we're certainly enjoying it and we're, we're leaving sort of no stone unturned, giving it everything we've got. And thus far, it's <clears throat> it's working, but um, it's excited for the weekend now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, I don't think going into these playoffs that many people would have predicted a Brackley Kidderminster final, but you know that's the one we've got. Two good footballing teams, two teams who've kind of been knocking on the door as well. I think in recent years as well. So yeah, certainly one to look forward to. I mean, sometimes playoffs are not necessarily. You know, you saw it with us last year. We had a, a great season. Um, York were twenty odd points behind us, and they ended up coming into the playoffs in red hot form and sort of steamrolled the way through it really. And um, it's not always the points tally or the league table. It's it's form, so you know, Kidderminster are, are red hot. Um, got some great players, a real good manager, um, <clears throat> and you know, we're the same. Our, our, our boys are really, really talented, real good players, and it's a case of, or it has been a case of installing that belief in them. That's been the main, um, you know, wish and want from us as sort of an interim management team is to actually not necessarily inspire, but actually just inspire belief in them. Because when they believe in themselves, like, we've seen how talented they are. And, um, you know, we've certainly done that. And like I said, it's a game now we're really going to relish and enjoy. Sure. You couldn't have had much tougher places to come in the semi-final away either as well. Away at Chester, I think there's 4,500 people here, the majority of them are the home side. And um, I wouldn't say you're quieting them down, you know, they made a good noise, but it, 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 you know, it takes a bit of character to play in those circumstances and come through. It does. You've got to control your emotions. And I'll probably say, I've just said it a short moment ago, but when we came here last time, we didn't do that very well. Um, this time around, we needed to control the crowd. You know, they're here for a party at the end of the day. And our 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 challenge today was to, you know, to stop the party. And that was it, really. So for us, we didn't want to give them wind in their sails from our mistakes or, or our errors. So we... we, we we kind of had a game plan in place today and a lot of that detail was actually not just the, the pitch itself but the actual occasion and you know, I thought we managed the first 15-20 minutes of the game really, really well. Um, I thought we managed the start of the second half really, really well. We looked a threat. I thought we could have got more goals than the one. Um, 
and ultimately for me in terms of the scoreline I think it's a fair reflection of, of the game I felt like we were worthy winners and um, maybe that's biased at this time but I don't feel like we you know, Danny's had to make some saves from outside the box we expect him to make that like he's a goalkeeper sorry mate you need to go and earn your money like um, so we defended set plays really really well we looked really organised really focused and um, really hungry to keep that clean sheet which is massive so yeah, I'm really, like I said, really excited for next week. Though. Sure. I do imagine going into this season, this can't have been where you imagined it would end. I mean, I think you would have wanted to be certainly in the playoffs, if not better. But, you know, to, to be in charge of the team is surely something that you didn't think was... No, and, um, you know, it, it's, it's all come around very quickly. But anyone that knows me, I'm a really emotional person. So I'm... I'm a fighter. I want to. I want to love as much as I want to fight. Um, but you know, I'm very emotive, and I try to. I'm not going to change my personality. I'm going to. I'm going to show that in the change room, and hopefully, that breeds the boys being able to see. Well, actually, he cares, and if he cares, then you know, I expect the same back. And I think what you can see from their performances recently has just been that emotion, controlled emotion, which is is really important in a football match. And quality needs to come out on top, but they've got that in abundance. So. Yes, um, it's not something which I envisaged at the start of the year that I would be doing. Um, and, you know, certainly in the meantime, I'm, I'm, I'm still focused on, you know, I put myself in the background a little bit in terms of my rehab with, with my muscle tear. So um, that's something that, you know, if anything, this inspires me to want more occasions like this as a player. Um, it want, I want to get back out there. I want to work hard. I want to get my teeth back into that. Um, but like I said, I am a person that if I put, myself into something I cannot physically not give it 110% that's just me as a person and um, yes that's how I am I could tell you still wanted to be out there a bit of itchy feet you know couldn't you know be still on the touchline but uh, yeah it's all come good for you in the end yeah I mean yeah it's it's hard because as a player you you can control certain things you can grab people with a scruff their net you can move them around where you want you can bark orders like and that's me as a player. And from the sideline, you can't always get that info, particularly when it's a crowd this big. You can't get that information on quick enough. So there's obviously anxious moments. But at the same time, I have full belief in them. And I've told them that I have full belief that you can achieve something truly special from where we were. It would be truly special. Um, it's another tick. It's another um, achievement that we wanted to make. But it's not down tools like, oh, and pat yourself on the back. It's a case of well done. But it, we want more. And we're not here to you know, make up the numbers. We really, really, really have an ambition to get this club out of this league. And Christian, the irony of it all is, is, that, is that Brackley have kind of been favourites going into the playoffs for the last few years. This year, they've kind of been written off a little bit, yet yet they're in the final. It's strange, isn't it? Again, it's that um, away team winning through and suddenly it's a side that you know haven't been, well, they have been cemented in there, to be fair to them, until the last few weeks and it looked like they might fall away altogether. But um, no, they were a close second to Gateshead last year, lost at home to York, as we mentioned. You know, they were fourth the year before, lost on penalties to Gateshead. Um, they've been there or thereabouts. They've had some final defeat to Harrogate. I can remember them losing to Halifax when they first came up. Um, maybe it's easier to go in when you've not got the pressure on you. Um, Gazdeen, as a player, has been there, experienced both sides of these playoff games. Um, and maybe that kind of togetherness and the feeling that, again, um, it's a bit of a strange position being without a manager. Let's have a go and see where we end up. Um, 
So perhaps kind of some of the comments I said about Kidderminster and having nothing to lose follow through for Brackley as well. Um, they're two sides that have been at the top end of this division for the last two or three years, regardless of how their spring went. Um, it's just a surprise for me that neither Chester or Kingsland were there, but that's the beauty of the playoffs, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and Gaz Dean, he says he doesn't want the job. I think maybe that's why Brackley have done so well, because he almost seems very chilled out about it all. And I think maybe that's sort of gone through to the players. He knows the players as well. That A lot of the experienced players are back in there and, and that could serve them well. I mean, it's a difficult one to call, isn't it, Chris? You'd imagine we could have missed this full-time status. They'll kind of have the edge potentially um, because they played the two games away already, but you just never know, do you? You don't. I mean, Kidderminster were excellent away from home all season. Um, I went to Agbra in March and there was centres, you know, we would barely even score at home, let alone win. Um, but the points are coming away from home. So they've been doing that all season. Um, Brackley, you know what you're getting. Um, it's a little bit of a contrast of styles in that Brackley tend to be, you know, your tight game. Kidderminster seem to produce these scorelines every now and again, like they did at the weekend. Um to sit on that fence, I really don't know what to expect. Um, I can see, I can see Kidderminster going there and winning um, perhaps three or four one again, like they did the weekend. I wouldn't be surprised to see Brackley take it one nil after extra time. Um, and I may be doing Brackley a disservice there after that game with Gloucester. Um, but you play Brackley a few times, you know they're solid, they're hard to beat. It's the same faces every year, um, and maybe with the managerial situation and some of these players haven't been there for five or six years now, it almost feels like an end of an era. Um, perhaps for a team that's done so well for so long, players like Glenn Walker and Dean himself, obviously, um, they've maybe almost been playing for their lives to extend um, the shelf life of you know maybe this era of the club for a few weeks. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in the summer. Um, there's probably going to be change either way, and certainly if they go up, I'll be very interested to see how it is that Brackley get on. But um, no, it'll be an intriguing final. Um, whether it's a bit of a chess match or completely open. Um, maybe depends on who gets the better start. Yeah, it looks like it'll be the same script, but could it be a different ending for Brackley? Uh, Christian, thanks for joining us. No, not a problem. Nice to speak to you both. Looking forward to the weekend. On to the South End and uh, Dartford and, and the playoff record, and, and, it, and it's come to pass again, hasn't it? Does it? You always seem to get a team that can't make out the playoffs. Dartford are that team. It was St Albans who did for them this time. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, it was a tight game. There wasn't an awful lot in it. I had it on my uh, iPad while I was watching the uh, you know the National League game. Kept an eye on it all the way through and through the extra time as well. Uh, and ultimately, uh, St Albans were just that little bit sharper with the penalties. And uh, um, you know they they were good good value, I guess. Um, you know, tough one to take for Douse. Um, he's got a good record, hasn't he, getting teams up from 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 that level. Uh, apologies, uh, listeners and National South uh, from National South clubs in in particular. Unfortunately, we couldn't get anybody to uh, to either of the National League South games. It's a long story. I won't bore you with. Um, the other game, of course, was at Oxford City against Worthing. And uh, to be fair, Oxford City were were good value for that in the end. Worthing. You know, they've been so excited all season, but they just weren't able to get their game going. And, uh, you know, Oxford City, I think, came through that one deservedly. And it's interesting for them, a little bit like Chesterfield in the league above, 
They managed to finish that place higher that gave them uh, a home semi-final on this occasion as opposed to having to go away from home last year as they did to Dorking, didn't they? And that was the end of their playoffs. So they've made it through to the final on this occasion. And uh, because of finishing positions in the league, uh, the National League South final will be at Oxford City against St Albans um, on Sunday. And uh, we'll, we'll certainly be across that one. Quickly, Rob, uh, where's your money then? You'd, you'd feel Oxford slightly the, the favourites being at home? Yes, I think um, I, I would if you, you know, toss off a coin. But uh, I think there's every chance that uh, Oxford City might come through it. Um, and um, as for St Albans, well, they've got to keep Sean Jeffers quiet, haven't they? Another prolific season for him, 26, 27 goals. If they can keep Jeffers quiet, then uh, uh, it might well be Oxford's day. Brill, thanks for joining us, Rob. Pleasure as always. Looking forward to the final. Um, we'll cover it as best we can. And that is it. Don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. It's the same on Instagram. And we'll be back after the playoff final to look at... We'll have a playoff final special, of course, with Joe and Rob, as I mentioned, down at Wembley. And then we'll have a, another final podcast of the season to look at how our predictions went and to review the season. So see you all very soon. 